Hey, thank you so much for joining us online at Venue Church for another inspirational message from Pastor Corey Cope. If you were impacted by this message in any way, we would love it if you would share it with your friends online. Yeah, real boats rock. I'm glad to be in the house of God today. You come in to the parking lot and you're dragging a lot of weight around from your week and the Holy Spirit is here and he's like, I'll take it. You come in with your problems with your spouse and the Holy Spirit's like, I'll take that too. And you come in with your problems with your kids and the Holy Spirit's like, I'll take that. But let's, uh, is, is sometimes we just come to God and we just want him to take our stuff, but what he has to do is replace our stuff. So he has to take the sin and replace it with himself. You don't just take an idol away in your life if you've got a temptation or an addiction. You replace it with the one and true and living God. Am I making sense here? We, we ask God to take, but we ask him to fill. And when he fills us, then something happens and we're full. And it gives less place for the other things to happen in our lives. And, and our lives start working the way that God intended them to work. Can I hear an amen, Venue Church? I have a friend of mine who's going to come and light this up for us. Pastor Pradeep and Ajiva from, from Bellevue, Washington. Come on up from Kalos Church all the way just to preach to you today. I, I met him about a, a, about a year ago, I think, in Portland. I, a friend of mine, uh, he was doing some, uh, he's a church planter. Like, we're church planters. And so church planters, are, we're all in the same family. And it's all like, oh my goodness, tell me your crazy stories about church planting. Because you can work in church, but church planting, everybody, is a bit different. It's hard when uh, God tells you to go into a place like Bellevue. God tells us to come to Airdrie. It's hard because there's also this guy called the devil that wants to stop you from reaching the people that you need to reach. Stop God from doing any of his work that he wants to do. And uh, uh, just in meeting him in, in, in Portland while they were doing some training, and I just kind of snuck my way like I sneak my way into rooms sometimes. And I just got in there and just pulled my chair up to the table. And I'm like, oh, my goodness, we need more of the spirit of God on on Kalos Church. We need a bit of that here. So I want you to listen to his words. I want you to do everything he tells you, but I also want you to know that I trust him. And his lovely wife, Amritha, is preaching this morning at Kalos. And so, so we bless them. We bless Kalos Church. We, I want you to get more than that. I want you to get from, from my friend. I want you to get an impartation from the Spirit of God on him into your spirit as well today. You know, God can, the Holy Spirit can, without you understanding something, still fix you. Like he's bigger than your brain. I know this is going to be really hard to hear, but we do that from impartation. So the Holy Spirit's presence can fix you sometimes, can fix issues, can give you vision and dreams for the future. And so I want you to welcome him right now and give him your best attention this morning. Thank you, Chile. Amen. Well, good morning, everybody. What an honor to be here. You are on fire for God. I... Actually, love God at this church. This is amazing. Well, my name, my full name is Pradeep and Jeeva Manohar and Sivaretnam. And uh, you can just call me Pradeep and Jeeva for short. And uh, I am just so honored to be here this morning. Just, I was filled with the presence of God even this morning, worshiping alongside of you all. I mean, Canada is alive for God. Wow, this is so special. And uh, my family gives their warm regards to you. I got a six month old baby girl 
named Nala, and I have a three-and-a-half-year-old son named Obadiah, and my wife, she's a powerhouse. She is preaching this morning in Bellevue, and uh, I love it, and it was, a, it was kind of a journey getting here to be here. I tried to get on my flight, and I, I learned the hard way that uh, American passport cards, you cannot fly with them, so if you have a passport card, hey... That could be your lesson. That's maybe why God brought you this morning. <laughs> so you can learn from me. So thank God in Delta, they rebooked my flight for free, and I made it here. But I'm here, and I'm ready to go. And I just want to start off by saying that what I, I'm experiencing even here this morning since I've been here uh, starting Friday, what is happening here at Venue is pretty unique. I mean... You guys are alive. You guys are taking ground. I'm seeing salvations and baptisms. I hung out with the, the whole team last night, the, the team night, and just touched base with some of the volunteer leaders. And I'm like, these are volunteers. You're not paying them a huge salary, and they're doing like really excellent and professional work, and they love God, and they love people, and they're good looking, and what is happening? Why am I so insecure in my leadership? Like, how did you get all these? amazing people to follow you guys. And I think it's because you have some amazing leaders. Don't you think so? And uh, I just want to honor you guys. You guys are doing a great job. I mean, you are a year down the road further than I am. And so you just are an inspiration and an example. And thanks for breaking ground so I can just learn and glean from you. And I can uh, just steal your best things and claim that God gave them to me. And uh, I'm, I'm taking credit back home in Seattle for everything that you guys have created and innovated here, just FYI. <laughs> if you, uh, they say, you know, if you just steal from one source, it's plagiarism. If you steal from multiple sources, it's research. And so I'm researching. I'm researching. <laughs> well, uh, I'm excited. Do you guys like getting into the Word of God around here? I'm excited. I'm excited to minister out of John chapter 11, and uh, I just want to start off by asking a question. Have you ever felt like you had this great work of God inside of you that started, but something tried to sabotage your future? Have you ever felt like your past was trying to invade what God had for you in the future? This scripture in John chapter 11 describes a story where an experience like this happens, and I'm just going to open up by reading a passage of scripture, and then we're going to dive through different parts of it. So starting in verse 38, it says, Jesus, once more deeply moved, came to the tomb. It was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. Take away the stone, he said. But Lord, said Martha, the sister of the dead man, by this time there is a bad odor, for he has been there four days. Then Jesus said, did I not tell you that if you believe, you will see the glory of God? So they took away the stone. Then Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this for the benefit of the people standing here, that they may believe you sent me. When he had said this, Jesus called out in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The dead man came out, his hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen and a cloth around his face. Jesus said to them, take off the grave clothes and let him go. Let's pray. Dear Father, I thank you for your word, and I pray this morning we wouldn't just be hearers of your word, but doers, we pray, in the name of Jesus. And everybody said, amen. amen. Title of my message today is, take those clothes off. Take those clothes off. They were naked and not ashamed. Can I get a good amen? Amen. amen. I like this church. I don't know. Have you ever had an outfit that you liked, but it seemed like nobody else liked? 
You know, you're like, hey, I like that shirt. I like to wear it every day. But then you go to your spouse and you, they say, hey, you look like a little turd. Don't ever wear that shirt again. I'm like, oh, ouch. Maybe a favorite pair of pants. Maybe you're next to someone and you know they like the outfit, but you're like, never wear that outfit again. And I can see people looking around already a little insecure. <laughs> you know, a while back ago, I went to Puerto Rico. I was in a band, no big deal, whatever. I play bass guitar, whatever. It's not, about, it's not about me, it's about Jesus. But yeah, I was in a band and I was on a tour and I was on a tropical island, whatever. Check out my website, prettyeepin.com. But it's not about me, it's about, it's about God. You know, I'm just a vessel, people, come on. And so... We're on this island playing bass, and uh, I, I refused to wear socks with my shoes on this trip, on this tropical island, so my shoes started to smell really, really bad, any, any sockless shoe wears in the house of God today, and, and so that, the smell was so bad that my team said, Pradeepin, I'm sorry, but those shoes smell like death, and we're sharing a, a hotel room, and they said, hey, you can, you can sleep in this room, but your shoes cannot. You got to leave them in the hallway, and I'm like, okay, all right, I like these shoes, but all right, I'll put them in the hallway. I wake up the next morning, go to put on my shoes. They are not there. I cannot find them anywhere. So I go to the front desk, and I I ask, hey, where are my shoes? I place them in the hallway, and they go, oh, we know about those shoes. We know all about those shoes. You know, in fact... Uh, A couple of our other guests complained about your shoes all night. They said, hey, came here for a relaxing getaway, but I'm stressed. The smell of death is in the aroma of my resort experience. And so we wrapped up your shoes in a plastic bag, and uh, we threw them away. You will never see those shoes again, and we do not regret our decision. I was like, come on! (laughs) Those are my shoes! I still miss those shoes, to be honest. But the fact is, like, I would take a shower, I would put on some cologne, but when I wore these shoes, I still smelled like death. And I I think there's some of us who, we've had these encounters with God, where God has made us clean on the inside, but we still smell like death on the outside. We're, We're free, but we're trapped right? We're alive, but we're stuck. And that's what's happening in this John chapter 11 story. A little recap of what's going on here is that Lazarus is, uh, he's dead. His sisters are like, Jesus, can you come see this man who, who, who is sick? He's not quite dead yet. And Jesus takes a sweet time when they say, hey, our brother is sick. Can you come pray for him? Can you come heal him? Jesus waits four days. Have you ever felt like, Jesus, can you hurry up? <laughs> like, but Jesus, Jesus is not in a rush. He takes his sweet time, and by the time he gets there, they say, Jesus, if you would have been here, Lazarus would still be alive. (laughs) Have you ever felt like that? God, if you would have just shown up, I wouldn't be in this situation. I wish you would have done this my own way. And it's four days, and this is bad for Jewish superstition because they believe that the spirit of the person would hover around the body for about three days, but on the fourth day, That spirit's gone. There's no chance of resurrection. So their hope is gone on the fourth day. But then Jesus says this amazing phrase. Uh, He said, hey, I am the resurrection and the life. If, If you believe in me, you will not be a victim to death forever, but you can have life and life abundantly. And Jesus knew that he was gonna resurrect Lazarus from the dead like we just read in the scripture. But then he he weeps when he sees the tomb and the dead body. 
And I just love that. Even though Jesus knew he was going to bring a healing work, he still was able to engage in the emotions of the people, and he wept. And I just want to encourage you, this isn't the bulk of my message, but whatever you're going through, I believe Jesus has the victory, but he still cares about the very real emotions you're feeling today, and he weeps with you. He loves you. He's not just saying, be a robot, just have faith. Like, you are a human. You have emotions. You get angry, sad. You experience grief. But our hope is that Jesus has the victory, and he knows that he is going to overcome death once and for all. And then he says these three statements, and I want to focus on the third statement. Jesus, upon being brought to the tomb where Lazarus is dead, he says, take away the stone, right? Then he says, come out. And Lazarus is resurrected from the dead. And then he says, take off those grave clothes. Take off those grave clothes and let him go. Because he saw that Lazarus is resurrected, but his new beginning was already threatened. He was alive, but stuck. He was alive, but he was not free. And so have you ever felt like you're trying to walk in your life for Jesus? Maybe you've prayed a prayer or Jesus, I accept you into my heart. Maybe you've been baptized, but then your past tries to haunt you. Maybe you feel like you're stuck in a cycle of the same habits, the same addictions, the same mindsets, the same sin. Maybe you've been a Christian for a long time, but you don't look any different. Well, you can be alive, but still stuck. And I found that when many of us go through our fresh starts, we have vulnerable hearts. And that people try to really mark you in your new beginning so that they can control the destiny of your future. When I, when I see wet cement, do you have wet cement in Canada, like when you have sidewalks and things like that? All right, just checking in, <laughs> making sure. When I see wet cement, my first instinct is to write my full name in it, right? It's a fresh start. It's a new beginning. They're wanting it to look good, but then I come in and I ruin it. I, I just want to see this cement have my identity, my fingerprints. So what do I do? I write P. R, A, D, E, 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 P, A, N, space, J, E, E, V, A, M, A, N, O, H, A, R, A, N, space, S, E, E, V A R A T N A M. And I marked that thing up. Come on. <laughs> and uh, I've just noticed when we try to make our fresh start, people often, our family, our work, they'll say, Hey, I know you're trying to live for Jesus. I know you're trying to make these changes, but I know who you really are. I know how you really think, and this is just a phase. You're going to get over it, and you're going to go back to your old ways. Yeah, you might, you might be alive on the inside, but you still smell like death on the outside. I know what you're going to do. I know who you really are. Have you ever felt like your past is trying to haunt your future? Hey, I want to love Jesus. I want to walk in freedom. I want to live on mission. I want to reach the lost. But for some reason, I have these things on me that still make me smell like 
death. And so when I, when I think about this, I'm so encouraged by this scripture in John chapter 11, because it gives us some tools for freedom, and it gives us some mindsets that I believe that it will help us in our faith journey, in our walk with Jesus. And so I just want to share three points that will, I believe, help us on this journey. And the first thing I want to share is this. We need a wardrobe change. We absolutely do. The dead man came up, his hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen and a cloth around his face. And we need a wardrobe change for these grave clothes that we're carrying. I just want to challenge all of us today that we need to put off our grave clothes and put on our grace clothes. We need a wardrobe change. We need to put, we just need to make a decision right now. Hey, I'm speaking to you who, you've been living for God for over a year now, and you're still walking in the same mindsets in the same habits. I, I just believe today is a day where you need to say, no more. I'm taking off those grave clothes, and I'm putting on those grace clothes. I cannot live how I used to live. I will look and smell like Jesus. In Colossians 3, the scriptures say it like this. Since then, you have been raised with Christ. Anybody here raised with Christ today? Come on. Since you have been raised with Christ, set your hearts on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on earthly things, for you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. Because of these, the wrath of God is coming. You used to walk in these ways in the life you once lived, but now you must also rid yourselves of all such things as these, anger, rage, malice, slander, and filthy language from your lips. Do not lie to each other, since you have taken off your old self, your grave clothes, with its practices, and put on the new self, your grace clothes, which is being renewed in knowledge in the image of its creator. We need to take off our grave clothes and put on our grace clothes. Why don't you look at someone and say, take your clothes off. Look at someone else and say, hey, whoa, 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 not literally. <laughs> You know, I, I believe that salvation is a free gift. Lazarus didn't have to do anything to be resurrected. And, and, and the root of salvation is free, but the fruit of salvation is a changed life. And you know someone's living for Jesus when they start to talk, look like Jesus. And uh, I think many of us love Jesus as our Savior, but resist him as our master. I want salvation, but I also want transformation. I'm thankful that Jesus has rescued me from the pit, but I pray that he keeps me from falling in the pit again. Amen? And some of us, we've given our lives to God, but then we just live the same way over and over and over again. And I believe the grace of God is sufficient. His mercy is new every morning, but sometimes we got to get sick of smelling and looking like death. I want to look like Jesus. And uh, I, I feel like 
come on. I feel like in the church, sometimes we have this mindset that says, you know what? Jesus just loves me as I am. And I think that's absolutely true. But Jesus does want us to change. He wants us to be transformed. And I, I just believe if you think that the gospel shouldn't change you, you've changed the gospel. The gospel transforms us from the inside out. And so we say, Lord, yes, be my savior, but also be my master. Lord, lead me. Lord, help me to have a wardrobe change. I, I, when I first became a Christian, I, I had to unlearn a lot of things. And uh, I, I remember when I first met my now wife before I, she was my girlfriend. I, I thought she was really cute. I started falling in like with her. And she invited a, a bunch of us from a church over to her apartment for a party, went over there and uh, some of my old life started to haunt that moment. Like, I saw a future with her, but I also really loved to steal. Anybody with me? I just, I just, I loved it. Free stuff. Didn't have to pay the thrill, the adventure. It was, like, amazing. I loved to steal. And so I remember the first time I went to her apartment, I was like, I don't need any of this stuff, but I want to steal some of it. So I, I found a remote control at this party, and I said, that's totally mine now. I just... I hid it in my bag, and I walked out. I couldn't use it on my TV, but I, I knew it would annoy them, and they wouldn't be able to use it. I was, I was in my early 20s. Any, any immature 20-year-olds in the house of God? <laughs> and so uh, then uh, she had a roommate, and she had always dreamed that the guy she would start to like would you know, be good friends with her best friend, and we could all be friends together. And uh, I went into her room, her roommate's room, and I stole pictures of her nieces and nephews right? <laughs> I love stealing. <laughs> and so uh, I, gra I grabbed these pictures and uh, her roommate was like, hey, uh, Amrita, this guy you're starting to like and hang out with more, like he's stealing pictures of my nieces and nephews. And, uh, and she actually cried over it because <laughs> it was like a very sentimental picture and she didn't know like if she's going to get it back. There's no guidebook for the weird brown guys stealing pictures of your nieces and nephews. And uh, as people in the church, like my pastors found out about this, they're like, Pradeep, and we love you. We know you love God and you want to follow Jesus. And I don't know why I have to tell you this, but <laughs> can, you, can you stop stealing pictures of nieces and nephews, you creep? <laughs> can you just stop doing that? <laughs> and I, I just had a moment with my pastor where I experienced some transformation. And I, I repented. I changed my ways. I stopped stealing. Glory to God. Can we give God some praise? All right? So you can, you can, you don't have to protect your wallets, all right? <laughs> You know, and uh, I, I just love the idea of, like, a changed life. And I'm so thankful that God keeps us from falling into pits where we smell like death again. And, you know, there's this term repentance, which can mean, like, changing your ways or changing your, your, your mind. And I, I think sometimes we think repentance is just, like, having an emotional moment at church. But repentance isn't when you cry. Repentance is, is when you change. And you say, Lord, let your will be done in my life. Not my will, but yours be done. And uh, I, I know that some of us, we've given our lives to Jesus. And, and we're discouraged because our lives aren't fully changed yet. And uh, I feel like we should change. But for those of you who are still going through the wardrobe change in your heart, I just want to encourage you that, hey, slow progress is better than no progress. 
And maybe you're not where you should be, but thank God you're not where you used to be. And so I praise God that he gives us the grace for life transformation. And so some of us today, let's stop playing games with our faith. Let's stop going through the motions. Let's stop asking God to just simply rescue us from our own bad mistakes and habits. Let's say, Lord, instead of rescue me, lead me every single day. Amen. And so in this grave close to grace close transformation, point number two that I want to share today is this. We don't change alone. We have friends in our cocoon as we change from caterpillars to butterflies. We are not alone in the changing room. Amen. And I don't mean that literally again. I don't mean that literally again. <laughs> we are not alone in our changing room. And so what Jesus says here, as he says, hey, you need to change your clothes. Jesus said to them, right? Everybody say them. Yeah. Jesus said to them, take off the grave clothes and let him go. He didn't ask like Lazarus to set himself free. He empowered them, the community, to be part of the freedom story. And I, I just, I love this. And so Jesus empowers a community. Jesus does the heavy lifting of resurrection, but he empowers the community. He empowers the church. He empowers people to be part of our freedom story. The same way we got into our mess as we've fallen into our own mistakes is not the same way we're going to get out. We need God and people to set us free. We are not meant to change alone. In the Garden of Eden, the very first story of the Bible, the first problem of the world was not sin. It was solitude. Adam was alone with God. No sin, no problems. They're walking in the cool of the day. And this would make me feel very insecure as Adam. But God, having all this alone time with Adam, says, this is not good. <laughs> this is too much one-on-one -on -one time. <laughs> we need to make a woman. And I, I, I'm glad he did. Amen. <laughs> I like women. I do. <laughs> and so the first problem of the garden and the world wasn't sin. It was solitude. God said, this is not good. This was not meant to be lived alone. We need people. We need community to be part of our freedom story. You know, my, my son is three years old. He's just a cute little kid. And in the morning, I do mornings with him and breakfast. So every morning, I go to his room, and I, I wake him up. And I, I get him ready, change his diaper, change his clothes. But recently, he's gotten into this habit where when I put his clothes on, he actually wants to change himself. And so we get the pants on, and he pulls up the legs and everything. But for some reason, when we get to the shirt, he struggles. And so we, we put this shirt on, and he gets one arm through. But then as he starts with the second arm, and he gets his head through, the shirt just like traps him, and he gets stuck. And my son's like, oh, no. I try to put the shirt on. I try to change. But now I'm trapped in the darkness. Oh, no, I'm stuck. And this is my three-year-old son. He's not saying very many words, but he's just like, ah, I'm stuck. I feel a sense of impending doom. 
I feel pressing anxiety on me from every side. I'm trapped in the darkness. And then I can tell this on his face. He's like, oh, no. Are my de- best days behind me? Is this, is this my new reality? Is darkness who I am? Will I be stuck here forever? Is this a cotton polyester blend? Like, what am I going to do? I'm not okay. I don't like this. I try to change myself. But as a loving father, as a good Good, good father. It's just who I am. It's just who I am. I, I get into that shirt with him, and I'm like, son, I'm here. I'm your father. I love you. I will help you change. And just like it is with the gospel, you were never meant to change alone. So I'm going to get in there, and I'm going to help you change, just like the gospel. Woo! And then I put his pants on the rest of the way, and we get breakfast. Happens every morning. It's a very exciting household. (laughs) We're not meant to change alone. And some of us have sensed that we smell like death. And we're just like, I'm going to handle it on my own. I don't want people to know my business. We're so private. But guess what? That's not how it works. Jesus empowered them. He said, take off the grave clothes and let him go. Jesus did the heavy lifting. He's like, I've done my part. Now do yours. And we need to let people into the stinky parts of our lives. You know, sometimes when we come to church, right, we put on our Sunday best. But I want to encourage you and challenge you, come here with your Sunday worst. Where you're vulnerable with people. Where you let people into the stinky areas. You know, when they're about to open up the tomb, they said, Jesus, oh, don't, don't open that up. He's, that dead body's been in there for four days. And the King James, they said, it, the body's been there for four days, and it stinketh. Like, that's a pinky up word, right? It's, it stinketh. And, and some of us, when we sense resurrection, life, healing, freedom, we're like, whoa, 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 whoa. I don't want you to see that part of my life. It stinketh. It's embarrassing. But guess what? Vulnerability. This is how we find transformation. It's just so important. Brene Brown says, vulnerability is the birthplace of innovation, creativity, and change. And I believe vulnerability is a part of how we change. And I I like this phrase. I phrase it like this. But transparency is like when you vent to someone and they can see what's going on in your life. It's like you can see my pain. But we need to let people into to the stinky areas of our life and let them change us in a, in a stance of vulnerability. Where transparency is, you can see my pain. Vulnerability is like, you can be my pain. Hey, you know, and I, I just love your pastors because they're so teachable. They're like, hey, as you see our leadership, as you see the way we operate, hey, I, I don't want you to just like, you know, come here. I want you to take notes. How can we be better leaders? Could you speak into our hearts? Could you speak into our strategy and our structures? Even if it hurts, Pradeep, and tell us, you can be my pain because I trust you. And I I just like that. That's vulnerability. It's not just saying, oh, hey, can you pray for me? I'm going through a hard time. It's saying, hey, what are some areas of my life that look like death? What are some blind spots I have in my life? How do I not represent Jesus? Right? That's a scary conversation, isn't it? Because it's an it's, it stinketh area. It's embarrassing, but it's vulnerable. And that's where we'll find freedom. We were never meant to change alone. And letting people help you does not make you weak. It makes you wise. Let people into your stinky areas. Let people in the trenches with your stenches. Come on. <laughs> 
And uh, point number three is uh, we are not just called to be changed by others, but we are called to change others. We are called to be an empowered community that sets people free. And uh, yes, we should let people into our stinky areas, but we should also get in the trenches with other people's stenches. And I, I just want to ask you this question. Who are you called to set free from grave clothes? Who are you called to enter into that, the stench of four days of death? Who are you called to enter into and say like, hey, I'm going to be part of your freedom story? God, are you waiting for me to set someone free? That's a question I have to ask myself. Are you waiting on me to set someone free? Is there someone who's still trapped because I'm lazy? Is there someone still trapped because I'm insecure that I might offend them with my love? There's someone still trapped because I'm disobedient to what the Holy Spirit is speaking to me? Who is still trapped because you are unwilling to do your part? And that, that's just a question, you know. A quote by Spurgeon, an early thinker, he said, What a man can do for himself, God will not do for him. And what Christian people can do for sinners, they must not expect the Lord to do. They must work themselves according to the ability God has given them up to the point of possibility. And then they may look for divine interposition or God doing his part. And you know, some of us, we're praying for a move of God, but God has called us to be the move of God. Some of us are saying, hey, would you set our city free? And God's like, yeah, I'm waiting for you. Will you be part of someone's freedom story? You know, this whole idea of reaching people and setting people free in evangelism, like evangelism is a fancy word for like leading people to the point of saying, hey, Jesus, transform me. Jesus, I surrender you. And all of us can be part of being a church in the wild where we're going after people. We're going into these stinky areas. Evangelism, don't be intimidated. It's simply continuing the conversation the Holy Spirit is already having with people. You're just jumping in. God has already done the heavy lifting. All we got to do is take off the grave clothes. You know, my, my family is from a tropical island nation called Sri Lanka, the south of India. And in the 80s, ravaged by civil war, tens of thousands of people dying around them, they, they were seeking political asylum. And thankfully, they're able to immigrate from tropical island paradise to Minnesota in the States in the wintertime. <laughs> So <laughs> their, their freedom was awesome, and they were so thankful. But as they got to America, they didn't have a Hindu temple to worship at. They were practicing Hindus. They didn't speak the language very well. Their education, their job experience suddenly didn't translate as well. And so their American dream, their escape from the war of Sri Lanka, simply became a nightmare for them. And not knowing what to do, my family, this was before I was born, they decided we are going to end our lives as a family and started looking for bridges to jump off of together. Mixed in with the trauma of pain and the instability of this new reality and country, they didn't know what to do. And one day my dad was in downtown Minneapolis and he sat on a bench and he was distraught and a pastor saw him, saw his face and saw something was wrong. And this pastor didn't just walk by, he chose to sit with. He saw the stench, he saw the death, and he said, I'm going to enter into that. I'm going to be part of this freedom story. And he said, what's going on? My dad shared the plan. He said, no, 
You don't have to do that. You don't have to go through this transition alone. Why don't you and your family live with me and my wife and our three sons in our small trailer home? And they invited them in to the house. And they went from wanting to end their life and through the church, through the gospel, through love, through someone saying, Lord, use me to set someone free. They went from wanting to end their lives and through all of this love, decided to create a new life, me. And that's the power of the gospel, isn't it? That's the power of taking off grave clothes and putting on grace clothes. And I'm just so thankful that someone saw a need and took the lead. Someone didn't just walk by. They chose to sit with me, right? And they, they conceived me in that trailer home. Don't ask me how I know they conceived me in that trailer home, because it's going to get really weird really fast. But I know. And I'm living proof. But I, I'm just, I mean, full, full like, I just want to ask this. Like, it's kind of intense, but, like, if you would have walked, walked by my dad, would I be alive here today? Right? Like, are you, are you still looking like death? And are you still ignoring the death that's all around you? I'm so thankful that someone took the time to take care of my family, to take care of my dad. And I, I just want to challenge you. In this series, Church in the Wild, I just pray that we would reach people like my family. That as we, we go through our salvation, we would experience transformation. And that as we freely receive that, we would dispense that to everybody around us. And so I just want to challenge you this morning. Will you let someone in to the stinky areas of your heart? And will you let someone out of the death clothes that they're wearing? Let's pray. Dear Father, thank you so much for this morning. Thank you so much for this church. And Lord, I just, I just pray that you would use us, Lord. I pray that you would lead us, Lord. We don't want you just as our, our Savior. We're so thankful for your salvation. We're so thankful for a new beginning. But Lord, I pray that you would help us to be transformed from the inside out, that our outside would match our inside, Lord. I pray that, Lord, you would help the gospel to change us, that we wouldn't just play games. We would get out of the cycle of simply asking for salvation every week or every month or going from spiritual high to spiritual high. But Lord, I pray that you would lead us every single day, that your will would be done in us, Lord. And that as we're transformed, as we take off the grave clothes, put on the grace clothes, I pray that you would help us to do the same for our community. For those of us who are longing for freedom, longing for salvation, looking for hope, Lord, we just say we will be the community you empower to set people free. Lord, we will be your vessels. We will be your people. We will bring light and hope and grace and mercy. And Lord, we will find the person sitting on the bench and we will say, hey, we will not just walk by. We will sit with you in the trenches and in the senches, we pray in the name of Jesus. And everybody said, amen. amen. We hope you enjoyed this inspirational message from Pastor Corey Cope. If you'd like to partner with us, please go to venuechurch.ca slash give. Yeah, because a life saved is worth everything.